welcome to Barbatos Catholic Podcast, a show where three Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. We are your hosts, Gustavo, Ivan, and Walter, and today we are going to talk about the sacrifice of the Mass. But first, a word from our sponsor. Now is a great time to learn more about CMF Curo as a Catholic healthcare option for your family. You can join anytime throughout the year, plus you'll experience an authentic Catholic community that cares about your whole health, spirit, mind, and body. CMF Curo members share medical burdens in community, have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, health and spiritual resources, and more. Visit MyCatholicHealthcare.com to learn more about CMF Curo. That's MyCatholicHealthcare.com. And we're back. Thank you for being with us and uh, for tuning in. And whatever you're doing. Whatever you're doing. Whatever you're doing. The last episode we said like folding clothes, taking out the dishes from the dishwasher. But what if, do people wash their cars? outside on um, the street i don't I think, think so. seen, that's like a very mexican thing no to wash your car on the no, driveway I've seen, I've seen yeah, some people people. i haven't seen anyone around my neighborhood and i'm no? like that might be very chunty of me to try and wash my car i don't think i know there's private property you, you should tell to, to the listeners what chunty is chunty is chunty chunty is a term in spanish that is derived from the word chuntaro Chuntaro is uh, a pejorative uh, when someone is uh, from indigenous descent. Mm -hmm. So, does it qualify as a slur? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Like, chunti would be something that you tell someone when it's like kind of tacky, I guess. Mm -hmm. Naco. Yeah, naco. Andale. naco. Chunti, naco. Chunti, naco. I, I, I never. I never said chunti when I lived in Monterrey. I only started saying chunti here in Arizona because apparently, like, the northwest part of Mexico says chunti, but, like, the rest of Mexico says naco for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Chuntero style, baby. I don't know. Chuntero and those guys style. are from Monterrey. Mm -hmm. but, El gran silencio. Yes. Um, Speaking of that, uh, going back to, like, the... Old time, they're oldies now. Oh my gosh! But uh, over the weekend, Carol and I got to spend a little bit of time listening to throwback music from the nineties. But wait, in Spanish? Mexican, yeah, in, in Spanish, like, like control pop. machete and stuff. No, like, like, did you know it's that not they in front of the kids? No, 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 no. Um, did you know that like um, pop bands from the nineties like got together and did like the whole tour thing, like yeah. Caló and Garibaldi? No, no, uh, like. Like Caló and uh, Ove Siete and oh a bunch God. of those like 90s Dang. pop songs that you no, can. No, 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 hold on. Just don't clump them all together. Caló was like the first Mexican hip hop Yeah, band. dude. And it was horrible. And it was awful. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, Caló, ahora te lo dice. Exactly. No, no, todo rap. <laughs> es para reírse. So horrible. Quieres superarte como gente entiende. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. So anyway, they they did these like like um, I guess people are running out of money, <laughs> and they just did these uh, uh, um, 
tours where where they get together a bunch of those 90s stars and pop stars they would have like more uh reencuentros than uh you know menudo like totally they did it like three or four years in a row it's like that's not lies this is the going away tour the last one we promise next one the next one but it was a total nostalgia tour it was like i don't know brought brought us back to when we were like in I mean, the same Junior thing is high. happening in the U.S. Like, I feel like I heard of like some of my coworkers going to real big fish mm. uh, concerts and whatnot. Um, so I'm really excited to hear the segue. How it's going to go to our topic? I'm thinking. I'm, I'm looking thinking. at the segue king right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, threw a curveball there for him, Ivan. You did. Yeah, your response. See, the to '90s it. is back. And today we're gonna about we're gonna talk about something that it is timeless. Oh, the sacrifice <laughs> of the mass. <laughs> you actually pulled. I it almost off. spilled my coffee out of my mouth. Oh, sorry, that was good. Sorry, pulled sorry. it off. Uh, Yikes! So, banter one point B uh, <laughs> would be uh, we we watched the 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 whole the whole episode outline for the episode today is uh, spur out of um well i, I watched uh, mass of the ages and uh, i already asked gustavo and 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 ivan and they have watched it and we, we all three of us uh watched it and it came out like i don't know month month, month ago month, month ago and a half, yeah. um it's a very well-made documentary about the latin mass and it was released in youtube about, around the same time that Pope Francis released the Muto Propio about the, the Latin Mass. So just to say that that like piqued my interest in even more because I didn't know, like um, my understanding, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I thought that the Novus Ordo was just like the translated mm-hmm. version of the, of the Mass. And I've come to realize that I, I've been wrong my whole life, you know? <laughs> Uh, but they didn't know anything, anything else. Like in Mexico, it's not something that is an option. Like, like the first time that I've encountered communities that have the traditional landmass, or now called the extraordinary form of the Latin uh, of the mass. I think mm-hmm. that's, I, I might have butchered it. Um, is here in the U.S. Um, so um, uh, as part of um, learning more about the latin mass i picked up the this book called latin mass explained by uh, monsignor george j moorman and um it's really interesting book it's like 191 pages long um this was written in like the 1920s i think something like that but um is it like a cat like a latin mass for dummies yes mm. yes 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 see like i i've i've thought about like changing my uh my tagline for all of my social media to be like uh target audience or of the for dummy for dummies <laughs> books you know yeah it's kind of funny i thought about it and uh, i was like i need to write it down and say it in the podcast so i sound a little bit funny but um the point is I haven't even gotten to the part where he explains the Latin Mass, um, because like the first the first forty pages of the book, it is just about the sacrifice of the Mass. So buckle up because this is gonna be like 
I'm gonna put on my teacher hat right now and and hopefully he's got a whiteboard can... people and he's not afraid to use it <laughs> i have a laser pointer um but um it, it talks about the sacrifice of the mass in terms of like how do we get there and and, and all of these other things of significance in, in the mass um one of the things that it says in the introduction says the liturgical riches of the extraordinary form of the Latin rite are a beginning of eternal freedom and a glimpse of the glory of heaven. Uh, obviously, the book is uh, geared towards the the Latin mass, but in a way, if you are a Novus Ordo goer, it could also be an invitation to to love and, and cherish the liturgy. Um, and this can be part of like the universal call to holiness deepening knowledge of the holy sacrifice of the mass in and of itself, um, whether it is the Novus Ordo or the, the Latin Rite. Mm -hmm. we, we have to know why we do the things that we do mm -hmm. in terms of, of rites and whatnot. Um, that's, that's, I think, why a lot of people are like disengaged sometimes mm -hmm. at mass because we don't know exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. And a better informed um, uh, not clergy, better informed lady, I think, would, would benefit to really know what's happening in the Mass. So I think this episode hopefully covers some of those gaps for people. Right. Like my mom says, Catolico ignorante, seguro protestante. Andale. Not there to diss go. any of our separated brothers. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you translate that? Ignorant Catholic. Sure, a Protestant. That's, might yeah, be a Protestant. Might or be a Protestant. Yeah. So know thy faith. Um, it it starts talking about the nature of sacrifice. It's like okay, we're we're going to talk about sacrifice. Um, any offering that can be made to God is it's called a sacrifice. It comes from the Latin uh, sacer, uh, sacred, and then facere to make. So to make sacred, um, and a sacrifice is going to be the highest act of religion. Um, where you're going to have an authorized person offer some sensible thing, like something that you can touch mm -hmm. of the senses, uh, offering it to God, which is visibly immolated, whether it is physically or mystically, in acknowledgement of God's dominion over all things and our total dependence on him. Mm -hmm. So there are very specific things that you need to have in order to, to have this um i'm talking with my hands and i almost knocked my microphone <laughs> down um you're going to have a, a priest a victim an altar and a sacrifice you need those four elements in order to have this uh, happen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and, and a sacrifice is going to be this outward expression of the sentiments of the heart, um, we offer something of value. And, and it's like the highest form of religious worship. Mm -hmm. um, Think of Abraham. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. He yes. had an altar, he had a victim. Yes. Abraham was the priest. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, so th this, th that's a very good segue to, to the next uh, portion of it. Is before the time of Christ, it was like the sacrifice in the patriarchal age with Abraham and um, Cain, Abel, Noah, uh, Job, 
uh, Melchizedek are all of these uh, figures from the Old Testament. Um, you know, you have Cain and Abel. Uh, one gave from his first fruits, mm -hmm. and the other did not. And well, you know uh, the the story uh, how it went that didn't go very well. Um, but um, it is natural for for men to believe in a supreme being, and and it's also natural to express those sentiments uh, or to give expression to the sentiments um, towards the ruler of the um, the universe. Mm. And one thing that was interesting, I said that, um, I think this is like a quote from Plutarch, um, Greek philosopher, I think, um, that you're going to find um, priests in all of the cultures around the world. Like, if, if, And I was thinking about that in terms of like what I'm familiar with, like the Aztecs and the Mayans in, in Latin American pre-Hispanic times, there would be priests in these civilizations offering uh, sacrifice to the gods, to mm -hmm. appease the gods, you know? And um, it would be very bloody sacrifices. even Very like, twisted. <laughs> yeah, watch, like, watch Apocalypto. Ap <laughs> I haven't watched that one. It's you really haven't good. watched Apocalypto? It's no. really good. Like, like at all or like in a no, long no, no, time? No, no, I mean, I, 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 know, I know about it. Mel Gibson, right? Oh, it's dude, very good. It's, uh, is it accurate or these yes. liberties? It's 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 uh focuses more on the Mayans. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, it's a super it's, good movie. Mm -hmm, like really he doesn't really hold movie. back. Like mm -hmm. he shows. I mean, you you see the like Mayans. The human sacrifices. In oh yeah, mm -hmm. like the guy cutting out their heart and cutting oh, off heads, yeah, and then yeah. them rolling we down the pyramids. the pyramids. It's but but the story itself, it just it really engulfs you, mm -hmm. and and it's a thrill ride. All the way through. Yeah. Mm. It's Fantastic. such a good movie. Fantastic. Okay. Putting it on the yep. to watch mm -hmm. list. Don't uh, watch it with the kids. No. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is like after the kids go to bed kind of mm -hmm. movie. It's yep. Just everyone. Is it rated R? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. is, it, is it gory? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Very. I mean. Well, I mean, it has. Yes, it, it has gory part. Not like the whole movie, but like Ivan said, he doesn't hold back. I mean, but the parts about the sacrifice are going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, so, um, like, the perfect example of the patriarchal uh, sacrifice in, in the patriarchal era would be the sacrifice of the Paschal lamb um, be, during Exodus, right? Um, this is a, a prefigurement of, of another sacrifice. Uh, another sacrifice where we're going to have the immaculate lamb of god to be immolated at the altar of the cross for the redemption redemption of the human race from the death of sin and for the deliverance of mankind from the yoke of satan so oliver right now is like obsessed with moses so we are watching a lot of prince of egypt mm -hmm. you know and uh and i was trying to explain to him how Moses is kind of like a figure of Christ. And um, it didn't go very well to try to explain it to a five-year-old. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a prefigurement. And then I was like, he doesn't know what that means. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's not just to you, our dear listeners, that I talk to like that. I also talk to my five-year-old like I am well, giving a, a seminar. You're be a smart boy by age 10. I, I hope so. <laughs> but... Uh, but the the one thing that that we need to 
figure out about the sacrifices of the old law is that they were symbolic. Um, and they all pointed in advance to uh, the death of Christ. And um, from the sacrifice on Calvary, they, they derive all their merit. Um, so I thought that that was like super interesting that um, all the sacrifice that happened with, you know, like the, the rams and the bulls mm -hmm. and, the, and the birds and the libations and the, the grain that would get burned, burned mm -hmm. um, it says they are just shadows um, that must fade and disappear before the radiance of the noonday sun, which is like the sacrifice of the cross. Mm -hmm. um, and because they were symbolic, they were abolished. So this, uh, the prophetic rites and sacrifices of the old law were fulfilled with Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Um, and I didn't know the, the prophecy of Malachias uh, announcing the abolition of the Jewish, uh, Jewish uh, sacrifices. Um, it says on Malachias 1.10, I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will not receive receive a gift of your hand so that to me is like okay how do we go from um burning animals at you know not the synagogue because the synagogue would not be like it would be like the temple, the temple. where they would um do all of those things like we don't have that it's like when you come to think about it Imagine if you go to mass and uh, mass is outside and instead of bread and wine is going to be like, well, who's got the sheep that we're going to slaughter and sprinkle the blood on everybody, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it would be, como dice el dicho mexicano, mm -hmm. dependiendo el sapo la pedrada. <laughs> Depending yeah, on right. the size of the sin, it would be the, the size of the animal that you would sacrifice. Yeah, it, 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 I thought it was very cool that it was um, it, the penitent would bring mm -hmm. like a lamb or, or something as, as an offering saying like, okay, I have sinned against God and I know that I should pay with my life for it, but instead mm -hmm. I'm going to sacrifice the life of this animal for the expiation mm -hmm. of my sins. It's like, I'm glad that we don't have to do yeah. this, have the sacrament of confession for that. But. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so then we get to the sacrifice of the cross, and um, the Christ's death on the cross was in every sense a true sacrifice, and in and on the cross we find all of the elements that we were talking about. Uh, we find priest, victim, uh, altar, and immolation or, or sacrifice, um, where we find Christ as a priest because he offered it, and he is himself the victim. Um, and he immolates himself by freely um, delivering himself into the hands of his executioners. Um, so then it gets really interesting. I'm like, okay, I, I, I kind of get that part that, um, that Jesus is um, the, the priest and the victim mm -hmm. and you know, I, I hadn't considered the, the cross as an altar, uh, but the immolation for sure, because, you know, you destroy uh, something in order to offer it to, to God. And that's kind of what we do. This is, uh, this is an offering. 
um, to God the Father for mm -hmm. the salvation of uh, of us, basically. Um, so then it the book prompts the question with was all sacrifice to cease? And and this is like where it gets interesting in terms of the sacrifice on Calvary, it was offered once. Um, we have from Hebrews 9.28 that Christ was offered offered once to exhaust the sins of many. And this sacrifice was not, is not, and cannot be repeated. Um, so that prompts the question, was this the end of sacrifice? Mm. And well, the answer to that is no, because in the new law, um, we have um, a need to have perpetual sacrifice. Um, and then there's some references to Psalm 109 and St. Paul in the seventh chapter of his letter to the Hebrews that calls Christ a priest forever according to the order, to the order of Melchizedek. And um, we hear those words in Mass. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So, if, for those that um, that don't um, know about Melchizedek, um, the um, the thing about his priesthood, if you uh, read Genesis uh, fourteen, his offering was bread and wine. That what what he would offer as um, a sacrifice. Um, so um, that's where we get the bread and the wine. Mm -hmm. uh, for mass um, and the thing about this sacrifice according to the order of Melchizedek is that unlike the sacrifice at Calvary it is uh, an unbloody uh, sacrifice uh, so Jesus offered once um, in a bloody manner uh, on the cross but like the Thursday, like the day before he he had his passion, he was in the upper room with the apostle mm -hmm. where he offered himself under the appearances of bread and wine, according to the rite of Melchizedek, at the Last Supper, right? Yeah. Um, and then the next day he offered himself in, in Calvary. So he... Jesus unites the two kinds of sacrifice of the old law and the new law um, by um, putting them uh, together. Um, when I first learned about this, I was like blown away um, about, because it's also a remembrance of the, the, the Paschal lamb, right? Mm -hmm. um, they were celebrating Passover he does that. He changes, like the the prayers of the Passover, and start like doing the the rite of consecration, basically for the first time ever, um, offering the bread and the wine, telling them, "This is my body. This is my mm -hmm. blood," and do this in remembrance of me. Right. So there's like the the need for having um, the sacrifice to be continued, correct, forever. And mm -hmm. ever. Um, Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, we're good so far? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that it says as well is that the infinite reservoirs of healing water were um, overflowing after the, after the cross. 
And, and those who thirst after justice must come and draw out what they need to quench their thirst. And I thought that that was a very cool image. It's like, okay, the, the reservoirs are filled, but you need to go mm-hmm. and draw the water mm-hmm. from it. Like the woman at the well. Like the woman at the well. Oh, like the well ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, even though the the job has been done, like the battle has been won, right? Mm-hmm. Over death, over sin. We still have as Christians, as Catholics, this responsibility to like, you need the grace, you know where you can go get, mm-hmm. right? Give us this bread always. Like, give us this water so we don't thirst. Um, and, you know, that, that the, the thing that we are getting this, this infinite reservoir of is um, sanctifying grace, just supernatural life in, in, in our walk of, of life. Um, so on Calvary, these graces were merited to make our salvation possible. And then on our altars, these graces are offered to the faithful soul. So it's like the economy of grace, basically. Yeah. You got to come deposit every Sunday. (laughs) Get a deposit. Make a deposit. More like make a withdrawal, no? Well, okay. So what would be the deposit then? That's a good point. In Following this, the commandments? Yeah, and this flawed analogy that I came up with. Well, yeah, it's just like a thing. <laughs> it's, not, it's not transsexual, but that's the thing. It's like very uneven transsexual, right? Yep. Because, you know, Jesus gives himself completely to us in a perfect way. Like, and I don't think that, I mean, there's people that run the race. Um very well but i don't i wouldn't consider myself most of us don't though right right we we're literally just like flying by the by 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 the grace of of god to the extent that we have yeah like we've said we're aiming for purgatory here (laughs) we're shooting for heaven but i'll settle for purgatory exactly (laughs) okay so the last part before i put everybody that's still listening to sleep. Um, the relation of, of the sacrifice of the mass with the sacrifice sacrifice of the cross. Like, okay, we we have um I, I didn't I didn't put these two together, but the sacrifice of the mass is the same sacrifice of the cross, except in the manner of offering. Um, so from the Council of Trent. Uh, it says that in in this divine sacrifice of the mass, the same Christ is contained and is immolated in an unbloody manner, who on the altar of the cross offer himself once in a bloody manner. It is one and the same victim, the same Christ offering himself by the ministry of the priest, who then offered himself on the cross, the manner of offering alone being different. So you have Christ is the priest. He's the only priest and he's priest forever. And that's why we have the the priests that are ordained in the by the sacrament of holy mm-hmm. orders, they are acting in persona Christi, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like if, if Jesus is offering himself through the ministry of the priest. That's that's clear. Christ is the victim 
And then in this part, because it's not like him on the cross again, then we have this concept that um, it's it's a mystery, right? It's, a, it's something very mystical to understand transubstantiation um, because we have both species, right? The bread and the wine that when the priest is saying the the words of consecration, we know, or by the eyes of faith, mm -hmm. we, we know, we believe that um, the conversion of the whole substance of the bread becomes the body of Christ, mm -hmm. and the whole substance of the wine becomes the blood of Christ. And, you know, I don't know what's the percentage of Catholics in the U.S. that do not believe. I think it's like 70%. Which is, like, concerning, to say yeah. the least. Mm -hmm. But seriously, like, if you have not had an experience of, of Christ while receiving the, I mean, we've talked about, like, how I was sobbing uncontrollably when receiving communion for the first time after 10 years of being deprived of of it because of my own fault um having that that power you know to to know what you are receiving the body blood soul and divinity of christ um it just it, it and i'm saying this to myself as i'm mm -hmm. saying it to yeah. everybody that is listening like we should be more aware of what we are receiving correct every week and that's that's why uh, such care is taken when dealing with the eucharist um because if you would just receive a speck of it you would still be getting all of body blood soul and divinity of jesus mm -hmm. christ even if like a little dust particle mm -hmm. you know so did you guys grow up with the with the with the patents underneath yes. when you were receiving communion? Yeah, in Mexico, more a Mexican common. thing, right? Yeah, they have like these uh, patent dishes. Gold I, think I think they're called patents. Yeah, it's called a patent. Yeah. And I, I was an altar server in, in my hometown parish. And that was something that kind of like caught me by surprise that we didn't have when I wish more parishes did it. Yeah. I wish more did mm -hmm. Yeah, but God only knows care. how many like specks of exactly the body mm -hmm. of Christ are being trampled, you know, mm -hmm. which again, uh, you get into the discussion of like, okay, should we receive on the hand or not? You know? Because... Well, the thing is like, I only knew again, this, I don't want to sound anti-American, but <laughs> like I grew up just knowing to receive communion on the tongue. Same. Um, and then when I got here, I was like, Oh, why are people receiving communion on their hand? Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, it's allowed. That meaning that it's allowed doesn't mean that um, it is the right thing to do. It's like we can get into a whole debate about it. Correct. Point being, <laughs> and then this is like where you will probably see where we lean in terms of like traditionalism. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but um, it's, it's a matter of like what we grew up with. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the um, one of the one of the questions that the book prompts as well 
was how how can Christ be present in heaven and upon thousands of altars throughout the world? And I was like, well, that's easy because you know God is uh, omnipresent. omnipresent; He can be everywhere. Mm-hmm. But apparently, He has two modes of existence. So He has His natural mode of existence in in heaven, where He is like with a community of saints hanging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, checking who has the fast pass to, <laughs> to go. <laughs> so you, you don't get creating the fast pass <laughs> from the from the previous episode um, about Padre Pio. But um, the other mode of existence of Christ is sacramental. Um, so he is. Um, it's not like Christ is multiplied. You're not making. You know Christ, but His presence is being multiplied. Mm-hmm. So, ergo, mm-hmm. you have you know um, consecrated hosts exposed on a monstrance, and you are able to go and adore our Lord if you have a holy hour, or even if you go inside of a church mm-hmm. and and you go to the tabernacle and you see that the candle, the red candle, the red lit. candle is lit next to it, you know that the presence of Christ is there. Um, and um, some of the of, of the last points that I had in 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 my notes were um, because it is a non-bloody um, sacrifice, it, it's it's more of a mystical shedding of blood. Mm-hmm. Um, in it's still Christ, but his appearance is different because of the bread and wine and transit transubstantiation that we had talked about. Um, but the the last part is, is it mentions it almost like in passing, but it's like very cool to think of that the mass has been offered since the days of the apostles. Um, in obviously not in the shape or form in the, of the rite that we know now or, or that we have now or the... Um, of the Latin Mass or the or extraordinary, right? However you want to call it, or the Novus Ordo. But um, you get references from the from the Bible in Acts two forty six, thirteen two, and then Hebrews nine twenty one and ten uh, eleven, where it talks about the the how the apostles were ministering to pretty much the new converts, mm-hmm. um, where they were doing. Pretty much like the consecration and, and distribution of, yeah, of communion, like the upper room, right? They were recreating that. The um, the same uh, at least uh, ritual, um, and then um, from tradition, so from the Bible. Let me see if I can find the one. Um, so Acts two forty six says breaking bread from house to house. So they're referring to communion um and um we were ministering to the lord which the ministering it's always used in reference to to sacrifice um from tradition we have a manuscript called the didache how do you pronounce that d-i-d-a-c-h-e didache not familiar with that one? It's no. kind of like, it, it, it was, I think it was uh, written by um, St. Justin Martyr uh, about what Christians would do. It was like an apologetic, uh, apologetics. Oh, okay. 
document. Um, he writes, of the sacrifice which we offer in every place that is of the bread and chalice of the Eucharist, Malachi had prophesied. Um, so it it it's basically like before the Bible was the Bible, the manual on how to be Christian was basically the Didache. Um, you can probably find it on the internet. I think um, I can probably put a link no to the PDF and whatnot. Um, you know, Saint Irenaeus um, also has something to say about it. Um, the Church Fathers. Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, things from tradition that we can know that uh, the the mass has been happening since then, even from history. Um, basically, you know that up until the Reformation, when the Blessed Eucharist was declared like a, a merely commemorative bread and wine. Um, all other churches that have fallen into heresy or schism, they retain the belief in the mass um, that in the mass there was offered to God a true sacrifice. So if, if, even if they were wrong in their mm -hmm. heresy or the schism in the East and the West, they still retained the, the Eucharist. Um, because a denial of this would be considered a rejection of, of Christianity. Um, so that's kind of where it ends in terms of part one for, for the sacrifice of the Mass. Stay tuned for part two, the name, language, and things necessary for the celebration of the Mass, the, the extraordinary rite, which is another 80-odd pages. I don't know if we're going to do another episode of this, but for the most part... Did, did you get anything new that you didn't know about the um, the mass from what I just said? Uh, for me, it was the Melchizedek reference. Um, I've always heard it because it's it's recited at mass mm -hmm. every Sunday, um, but I didn't know where the context for that. Now, so from this episode, I think that's my biggest takeaway because I had like broad strokes of everything else um we did like bishop barons the mass as part of a, a men's group here at saint joan and that really helped me you know get a lot more in touch with what's actually happening in the mass mm. and because sometimes we feel like okay it's the collect time for the collection and sometimes people think it's like halftime and they it's chatty time no, no, no. Or like the sign of peace. <laughs> yeah, or the you know, sign of peace. It's like, like no, you're not at the plaza, you know. This is, that's one of the things COVID kind of like got right. <laughs> <laughs> and I I think we could have done with, yeah, without. without. But, I mean, I'm, I'm a grouch. But but no, um, the the sacrifice aspect of it, yes, it's always been very, very much front and center for me. Um, and it's always felt that way, you know, maybe because I grew up with being an altar server and learning about it because I was in youth group and then I became a youth minister and you kind of like had to step up your game. Otherwise mm -hmm. you would be like speaking untruths to, to kids. Um, 
you always had that respect, you know, and that and that approach to the holy sacrifice of the mass. Um, but it really didn't hit home until again later in my years after I was married and really spent time learning about it. And, and again, for me, that that um, mass series from Bishop Barron was really really instrumental in in educating me and in putting into context a lot of the things that I would just like fly over my head that now I'm more present because of that. So the same thing when I saw the, the, the Latin mass on YouTube, which is a great, great documentary. I recommend everybody go watch that. You mean mass of the ages? Mass of the ages. Mm. Because it's, again, it just elevates the whole aspect of liturgy and the, the, the proper order of things. Yes. I think one thing I learned was the Christ having two modes of existence. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't. I never Crazy. knew about that. Um, I think it's so easy to to just think, you know, yeah, God is so omnipotent and he's he's everywhere at, mm -hmm. at all times. But the fact that you know he has his natural mode of existence and then he has his sacramental mode of existence, like that's that's something I never knew until. Mm -hmm until right now um but yeah i mean um i mean a lot of uh i've come to know the mass as, as i've gotten older um something that i've really come to appreciate is <clears throat> i remember when i was younger i hated going to mass because it was you know boring, boring and long mm -hmm. and this and that and i think it was jose maria escriba that said mass is too long um is you if you think mass is too long it's because your love is too short mm -hmm. and that's what uh and i heard then i was like oh <laughs> 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 yeah it's like it, dang was it also him that's like if you don't like mass you probably won't like heaven <laughs> i probably sounds like, sounds like him. Yeah. um but when i when i read that i was like man i gotta step up my game mm -hmm. and yeah um the this film mass of the ages and i think there's gonna be more films more uh, yeah, it's episodes. a trilogy. It's a trilogy. Um, the the director of the the documentary, I actually did net with him. Oh, there you go. There you go. Net again. Um, <laughs> net, net, and this podcast <laughs> is like the seven degrees of seven of Kevin Bacon. We're, uh, we're always, trying to run a tab by the. Time I know how many times I say net? net. It always comes back. To hey, net. I'm big. I know, no, man. we need missionaries, awesome. Exa yeah. Yeah. especially in this day and age. It's like the whole U.S. is missionary territory again. I would yeah, say. but I can't think of anyone better making this film than Cameron. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know him super well. I, I I talked to him a few times when I was on net, um, but I remember that. So we did five weeks of training. It was two weeks at like a personal retreat, and then three weeks of training for the ministry before we actually hit the road. And in those five weeks, we had mass every day. Mm -hmm. And I remember every time, you know, during um, communion, I kid you not, the whole five weeks that we had mass every day, every time I would see Cameron going up to receive communion, he would be bawling his eyes out. Mm -hmm. And it was just, and, and I'm, just, I'm not exaggerating, like every single mass, I would see him cry every time he, wouldn't, he went to receive. And I always thought like, man, I wanted to, I wouldn't be like that. Yeah. So I can't think of anyone better making this documentary than Cameron. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I encourage everyone to see this film because it's, it's amazing. That, that happened to me when we went into lockdown last year. 
when we started watching Mass on TV, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Absolutely. I started crying, man. Because we were watching TV and they were distributing communion to nobody. And that just broke my heart. And then the first time when when they opened only for communion here here at St. Joan, mm-hmm. that they said, well, you can come in and receive Holy Communion after watching Mass at home. Like, I was so happy that day. I know. That when we started making line, I was, like, visibly excited. And when I came up to receive, I was, I had tears in my eyes. It hits Just different, huh? Because it was so beautiful to be able to come back to that, you know, after not receiving for such a long time. And I remember the time that we went and, and um, then when we took communion to our family, remember that time? The oh, underground yeah. mass that never happened. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> <clears throat> it was uh, Feast of St. Joseph? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was such a beautiful experience for me personally oh, because, man. again, it was so great. We as Catholics are priests, prophets, and kings. And for me, that was never as apparent or as evident as that moment right there when I was distributing Holy Communion to my family. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because, you know, the girls at that point, mm-hmm. they both had made their yes. first communion, right? Yes. So I cannot wait for my children to... To receive such a joyful day yeah um so anyways the 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 whole point of, of this episode is to try to get you i mean hopefully you're not asleep but <laughs> but um try try to 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 give you a little bit more uh substance so when we were talking about this episode it was like this is a meaty one um and and we could probably spend a little bit more time in each one of these these points. But uh, if you want to um, learn more about it, again, the book is called The Latin Mass Explained by Monsignor George J. Moorman. And we'll put a link to um, to the book in the show notes. But whether you go to a, um, a traditional mass uh, parish or a Novus Ordo, I mean... I have seen Novus Ordo Masses done very respectfully where, you know, it has also brought me to tears. Um, It doesn't mean that it cannot be done reverently and with all the grandeur that is owed to to God, because that's what we're doing. We're we're worshiping him and the sacrifice of the mass. So just an, an open invitation to to know more about the mass, to try and, and, and live it and uh, a little bit more deeper in that relationship with, with the Lord and, and experiencing and God and um, knowing, again, we're going to sound like a broken record, but his body, blood, soul, and divinity is there. That's that's what it's feeding us, and that's why the Eucharist is called the, the source and summit of our mm-hmm. faith. And that's why, again, it's super important, because, like you say, you know, this is a meaty episode, and, and we need... We need to study. We need to know our faith. Because that's why 70% of people don't believe this stuff. You know, because we are just not educating ourselves. And in that same point, we're not passing around, not not passing down our faith to our kids the way it should be. So, I mean, if you're a 
dad or if you're a mom and you have little ones, time's going to come when they're going to start wondering why I come here every Sunday. And if they don't have that proper context of all of these different connections from scripture and from tradition, and it's really easy for people to be swayed away for something shinier. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's super important that we really make a concerted effort to say, okay, why am I really here? You know? And if and this is what we believe. Exactly. And if after that, you're like very, very lukewarm again, we know what happens with lukewarm, you know? Not going to be followed up. It's going to be sped up if you don't know the reference. So, yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully you learned something. And um, while you are buying the book online, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Arbatos Catholic Podcast, the show where three Mexican dads talk about faith, life, and culture. If you like the podcast and want to help us, There are several things you can do. You can subscribe, rate, and review an Apple podcast. You can subscribe, like, and turn notifications on on YouTube. Share the podcast with your friends and family. And if you really like the podcast, you can buy us a coffee, literally. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash barbatus in order to caffeinate us. And if you buy us a coffee, you automatically get a shout out in one of our episodes. And if you don't like the podcast, well, just keep it to yourself and let others make their own mistakes. You can find us on Instagram at Barbatos Catholic Podcast. You can email us at hello at barbatoscatholicpodcast.com. And on the web, we are at barbatoscatholicpodcast.com, where you'll find the show notes for this episode and more. And bless Alanis Casey. Pray for us. Until the next time. <laughs>